Hey guys, it's Kurt Storing from the Downward Podcast. I am here today with another episode on YouTube, Apple, Spotify, all the places you can listen to podcasts. And the reason that I'm shooting this intro real quick before the podcast is because I'm doing something different today. I've got my friend Omar in my house shooting a live podcast. And guys, we do this a couple times a week anyway, usually at a coffee shop. So I was like, look, why don't you come over? We'll record it. And that way everybody can hear how we are navigating things as sort of Christian fathers in the messiest stages of life with multiple children, businesses, marriage, all sorts of crazy things. But the thing is, we are so edified by these conversations. Like we go so deep and we support one another in such an amazing way and iron truly sharpens iron. And so my hope for this podcast is that you'll listen to this you will be given hope because, you know, the things we're talking about, maybe you've never heard of them before. Maybe you've never heard men speaking in this way before. Maybe you've never wrestled with these ideas before in a way that are really serious, but we're bringing them to you, not with all the answers. That is the number one thing is we don't have all the answers, but we are constantly questioning. And I think that's important. I want you guys to listen to this. I want you to be edified by this such that you can maybe apply some of these things in your life and lead your family better and have deeper conversations with your friends around things that actually matter. Okay, so if you want to learn more about the podcast I talk about with Omar, he has a podcast called The Union Apparel Podcast. I interviewed him for the first episode so that he could tell his story, which is insane, by the way. So I want you to go and check that out on YouTube. Right now, it's YouTube only. Search The Union Apparel Podcast. You'll find his show there. The first few episodes are already out. Subscribe, like, all that kind of stuff. If you are listening on YouTube, subscribe and like here, obviously. Otherwise, if you're on Apple, Spotify, leave us a rating, review, subscribe there. And just be along for the ride, guys. We are building an absolute movement here of Chad Kings, like yourself, who are super serious about leading their family well, especially as a Christian father. For me, I'm just like a new Christian father. What am I supposed to do? We are building a movement here of dads who probably never learned from their dad what it was like to lead a family who probably never learned how to be that role model, but who are absolutely dedicated to getting this right now because they know that the risk is massive, they don't. We are men who are hard to kill, easy to love, and equipped to lead, and I want you here for the journey because I can't do this alone. So come along for the ride, learn from me and my guests, and I thank you for being the type of man for whom this is important. Now, on to the podcast with my friend Omar and myself. Here we go. Because I've inherited, if that's even you inherit certain qualities of your parent. I'm very much like my dad in a lot of ways. And I'm grateful that I have a partner who doesn't have the exact same mindset as me where she's tempering that side of me. Because I'm very aware that if I'm not intentional about my relationship with my boys, that it's gonna end up being the same. I'm gonna not break that chain. That chain's gonna continue on. And he just, I think, and I'm no expert on this, I just think his parents weren't very loving. So he didn't know how to love. It doesn't mean he didn't have love. He just didn't know how to express it. Well, this is uh, the Dad Work Podcast you're listening to. Obviously, I am Kurt Storing, your host. I'm here with my actual in-person friend, Omar, who is the founder of Union... What is it called? Union Apparel? <laughs> <laughs> with my friend Omar, who is the founder of Union Apparel and the Union Apparel Podcast, which I... Sent to you guys if you listen to this podcast uh, by email a couple weeks ago. So uh, pumped to have you on because this is what we do regularly, which is go to a coffee shop and shoot the breeze. <laughs> and uh, yeah, we're just going to chat today about what we'd normally be talking about. 
sorry. I had to throw that in there. Coffee's delicious. Oh, yes. Thank you. Uh, and this is just like the most casual way that we could uh, like recreate the coffee shop environment. And it's not awkward at all. It's not awkward that I'm set up in my you know, dining room. It's not awkward that there's a microphone between us. It's not awkward that there's like a blinding light there or a camera. But like Omar said, we have to get used to incoming celebrity because that is obviously in the cards for both of us. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, usually how this works is we have someone on the podcast and I ask questions. But lately what I've loved doing is just having conversations because I also want to like sort of share what God's doing in my life. And I think that's sort of where we're going here is that we usually talk about like what God's doing and what we're trying to think about and how it's working in our lives. And that's like the most important thing. Hmm. And I noticed some, like, what was it? It was a couple days ago we were at a barbecue, like just this other event. And I was talking to this guy and we were talking about business for a long time. And I was like, okay, sweet. Like, what? let's talk about like the real stuff now. And as I was leading into it, I asked a probing question and I was like, oh, you are like not in the headspace where Christ and God in Christianity and your faith is the number one thing in your life. Hmm. And I could tell and I just thought, like, oh, where's Omar? <laughs> like, I need to talk. I need to go deep here. So, anyway, what are you, what are you thinking about these days? What's on your mind right now, other than needing to talk about your childhood? <laughs> childhood. You know, the number one thing right now in my mind, if I'm being brutally honest, I'm going through a bit of a, a, a plateau right now where I feel like <clears throat> things are kind of like this. I don't want to go like this, but you know, they're, they're, nothing's really going on. Where you, you know that you know right. Shannon's in. In the, she's not well. The house that got her sick isn't getting any better. We don't have certainty around where we're going to be living. And so that's kind of the predominant theme. And, you know, I've been spending a lot of time, or I was spending a lot of time. As you know, you know, I, I committed doing Bible in a year. <clears throat> and I feel like I've fallen off of that wagon. Right. Like a couple of weeks, three weeks ago. I'm really behind. And I'm constantly plagued by, I got to catch up. I got to catch up. Yeah. And last night we were talking before bed. And I'm like... Shannon, maybe it's my need to catch up and now I feel like it's works. Yes. And I'm trying to reconcile the works-based theology with the faith-based theology. Yeah. I mean, I am remembering God several times in the day, right? I start my morning with prayers and all that. So it's not like I've completely walked away from him or not paying him any attention. I am just not reading like I'm supposed to. So there's this guilt associated with that and just I feel like a little bit disconnected and then as the problems are kind of mounting it's feeling a bit you know a bit overwhelming to say the least so and you know kids are school started activities and it's just it's a very busy schedule for us so like chaotic but without like a a direct goal to go toward and everything's kind of like muddled otherwise is that okay yeah do you think that if you like just started reading like a chapter a day, you would feel like you were reconnected? Um, or like, does it have to be the Bible in a year thing? Because I resonate with like falling behind on habits, as I'm sure you know. Uh, that's very difficult for me. But like, could you just cut that and be like, actually, I just need to be in the Word for like a page every day? That's a good question. I, <clears throat> I don't know. I haven't, I haven't given it much thought. All I'm looking at is the, the mountain of pages that I've missed. Now I'm not going to catch up. And you know, it, it's, it's interesting that the second, the second episode of, of my podcast launched yesterday. And I was sitting there taking notes mm-hmm. to optimize the video, right? Yeah. And, like, and I noticed that, that Brian, he, he mentioned certain scriptures, which I couldn't regurgitate at the top of my head. So I started writing them down and then I started 
looking them up. And I'm like, man, I, I went through Isaiah. How did I miss this? Mm. Or I went through Psalms. How did I miss this? Yeah. And I think that need to get to the finish line is preventing me from really paying attention to the actual journey. Yes. And don't get me wrong. I've had moments where like the words jumped out, right? And I'm like, yes, this applies to my life today. This is wonderful. And we've had conversations about that. Yeah. But lately it feels like I'm just reading to get stuff done. Right. I'm like, man, I'm, I missed out the most prophetic book and I'm not getting, I didn't get what, what he's talking about. So I think that's a great idea. Just even just a page to get back on track. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's the, the reason that I bring that up is because that's sort of where I am right now too. Like there's just all of these things I was doing, all of these habits I was doing. And I'm like, why am I doing these? Like, for example, we had a uh, hundred burpee a day challenge inside the brotherhood. Right. And I was like, I don't want to do this. But it's another thing to do. Therefore, I have to add it to my stack. And by the end of it, I was like, I was doing this to prove myself to myself and others, which is a terrible motivation because I don't have to prove myself to anybody, but I thought I did. And I realized like that was a couple weeks ago or three, four weeks ago. And I think we talked about this last time we were at um, Blacksmith, which is not the sponsor of the show yet. No. Come on, guys. <laughs> uh, uh, we talked about this where I was like, if I could just like, what would my action be if I was doing it out of an outflow of love for God? Mm. Like, what if that was my only motivation is I'm loved by God. I want to love God. I want to be obedient to God. Would I be doing these burpees right now? And she was like, <laughs> no, <laughs> you're trying to prove yourself to like be the self what is it the the like having having self-confidence and i remember hearing that like a year ago so like really early in my christian walk and someone's like replace self-confidence with like jesus confidence and i was like what like but i am self-confident like i am the only one i can trust and all of this over the last like month and that's where i'm in the crap right now is like are you really okay just being god's son are you really okay just being yourself and having nothing you need to prove to anybody and just having God like envelop you in love every day. And, um, that's been hard. But like, what does that even mean? Okay. So like, which well, I, I see, I see what you're saying, but like, can you just be God's son? Like, what does that mean? So you're married four kids. Yeah. I married three kids. Right. <clears throat> There's music lessons and soccer practices and school fees and mortgage payments and rents and all of this stuff that we yeah. did just because you choose to just, and I'm just, I don't know, maybe I'm just being the devil's advocate here for, for a while, but what does it mean to just be the child of God? Like you've got all this stuff right. coming at you and if you don't perform. Yeah. Well, that's the, I think that's probably like the, the crux of it all is just this balance. And I think that for me, like I've had to go onto the extremes of each of those. So like after the cleaning business failure of like two or three years ago, I did nothing for months. And I was just like super flowy and like letting everything come to me. And I wasn't a Christian at that point. So it's not super here nor there. And then recently I've just been in like the go, go, go forever. And in seeing both of those extremes, I get at least a little bit better of sitting in the middle. But this is a totally new idea. And I'm thinking about it like from a motivation standpoint. So what would I do if I didn't have to prove myself? Because that's always my thing. Because like, why do you do anything? Why am I doing this podcast? Well, well, why am I doing this podcast, right? Like, is it truly to glorify God? Because, you know, what is the chief aim of man? The first catechism or whatever, the chief, aim, the chief aim of man is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. Am I doing that here? Like, that should be my number one thing. 
and I should be abounding in love. I should be overflowing like Psalm 23 says. And if I am, then all of those other things are done to glorify God too. So am I being the husband I need to be because I feel so loved by God as his adopted son that he's like singing over me that I can just like put that into my marriage. I'm already overflowing. And then like as I'm being a father, I'm challenged. But the general idea is that my motivation is wrong so often because I feel a need to be not approved because it's not like an approval seeking behavior. It's a disapproval avoiding. But in that it's a, it's just like the same side of the, the, the opposite side of the same coin, which is I care what other people think, not necessarily just what God thinks. And so I think for me, the more I can dim the fear of man and like ratchet up the fear of God, I think that's where it comes in. Like, does that, well, I know what you're saying, and, and and this this feeling of what other people are gonna think. I mean, look at Peter, man. Like he he walked with Jesus, right? He was his inner circle. Yeah. He was Mister. Hey, I'm gonna take care of you, and I'm. Even he denied him three times, right? Even yeah. he, but then you see a, a post, like another version of him, after his death and resurrection, and he becomes one of the you know one of this instrumental pe- apostle in bringing people to Christ. So I know that it's a journey for sure, but when I see, so when we hang out and I'm like back home and I'm thinking about kind of your discipline. So if, 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 if it was a spectrum and let's just say you're like on this side of the spectrum in terms of like, I got to get up early and <clears throat> I'm doing this and I got this list yeah. I'm going to do it because I can and I'm strong and I'm this, that and the other. Then I would, and then this other side is like a complete apathy, right? Where I'm not, I'm not going to do I'll wake up whenever I wake up. I'll do whatever. Like where you're in a, in a routine. I go home and I evaluate kind of my life. And I'm going, okay, I need to be more like Kurt in certain areas. <laughs> but when you talk about the burden of doing it all and carrying it on, like, mm-hmm. man, I don't, I don't know. No, I don't want that. I want to be, I, and you know, we both have luxury being an entrepreneur. So it's not like we have to commute yeah. and, you know, an hour and a half, an hour and a half back, that kind of thing. So I love just doing nothing and I can do it guilt-free for the most part. Right. But then when I sit down with you sometimes, I'm like, oh man, I should really be doing more. <laughs> like what kind of an example am I setting? But this is where I think, you know, the, the discernment comes in mm-hmm. because what he's asking me to do is not the same that he's asking you to do. Right. Right. I know there's some broader tenets that we all have to follow, but I think he's using everybody in a very unique way yeah so i think but i i really do believe iron iron sharpens iron right so yeah. there might be some things that you say and I, and I get it all the time like i come home and i'm like man that was i really needed that yeah same. because something you said and it's not like you know we're trying to teach each other or anything but something you share from your life i'm like man that was actually really good i'm gonna i'm gonna try and incorporate that right and so it enriches my life in, in you know in little ways then I incorporate them. just like, little okay, ways so, well, <laughs> our friendship well, it's only a year and a half old right so let's yeah no I but, think that, that's what I've realized recently as well is I, I used to feel bad for having the gifts and the talents that I do because even though I was like oh look how good I am I can carry everything on my back and that's everything's on me it was like very me focused and I think God lets that happen he's like okay you want to carry it all go for it and then I like just get smoked and he's like, you really want to trust yourself? Because mm. I'm over here. If you just like put me on, it says like robe yourself in Christ or whatever. Like his plan is so much better than mine. 
I used to think that it was like a, a punishment when he was like, die to self and like, come to me and just like, put me on. The old man is gone. The new one is born. I was like, but what about me? Mm. Like, I don't want this life to end because it's fun and it's exciting and it's exhilarating. And I was like, well, man, it kind of seems like boring and legalistic and annoying. These are like my internal thoughts. Yeah, like, yeah. A, pl- please don't smite me sort of thing. But I'm like, what about me? And then recently, because I was wiped out two weekends ago, like depressed, like I haven't been in five years, going like, I know all the ways to get out of this. And I can't. I was like, God, just smite me down. Like, I'm so bad. I'm so horrible. And in that, it was kind of like, you can be wiped out, Kurt, by like an emotion. And you want to put your trust in yourself? Like, are you dumb? <laughs> like, God is over here, unchanging, and the rock, like the, the fortress, the stronghold. You could just put him on instead. And then, like, I, I prayed this morning because I've been anxious the last couple of mornings. I don't know why. I'm like trying to change the direction of dad work. I'm trying to change the direction of my life, trying to trust him more. And that means the business that I'm building cannot be me doing everything all the time because I can handle it. Mm. But I I prayed this morning because yesterday I couldn't get over it. And this morning I woke up anxious again. I'm like, oh, just give me peace. And I got a text yesterday from a friend who's like, I've been praying for peace for you. Amazing. But this morning I was just like, I need peace. I need peace. I need peace. So I was thinking back to the identity piece, like what does it mean to just like, be God's son. I was like, what does Jesus think about me right now? Hmm. He just loves me. Like, can you, can you imagine what it would feel like or what it takes, how much love it takes to like have a substitutionary sacrifice as you're about to like be led to Sheol or Hades or wherever, like you're going to die and you're like, no, God, what I didn't mean to do this. I'm just a sinner. I didn't mean it. And the last second Jesus comes in and he's like, no, I got you. And then instead of just being like, we're going to work this out. I'm the king of the universe. Like, just don't do that. He's like, I'm actually going to die for you. Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh, snap. Like that love is real. And it's really been like, I've been feeling that lately. And then I come back and I read in Isaiah. Isaiah 30 verse 15 says, repentance and rest is your salvation. And it doesn't say like working harder or self identity. It doesn't say like do more, Kurt, is your salvation. And then the next line says, in quietness and trust is your strength. And I prayed before I opened the Bible. I was like, I need to feel the peace. Like, I need you to talk to me today because my mind's been racing and I haven't been able to settle it to like hear your voice or whatever. <clears throat> and the first thing I read, my reading started in Isaiah 30, 15, 12, three verses later, he's like, repentance and rest, quietness and trust. Like That has nothing to do with me. <laughs> like directly being spoken to. And so anyway, like this whole thing is for some reason coming to me very quickly, but it's taking a lot of pain. Um, But I think that's where I'm coming into is being like, I'll just trust him with everything. You have to be the CEO of my business because I don't know what I'm doing. And what I realized as well, speaking of Isaiah, and I'm just going for this now, is in Isaiah, he talks a lot about like the punishment coming into Israel because, well, Israel and Judah, because they keep going for alliances outside of God. Mm. They're like, okay, well, if we like line up with the Egyptians or the Assyrians, then like we're going to be safe from these guys. And God's like, you could just pray to me. Like you could just come to me, dummies. And I'm continually going to these coaches, right? Like I I signed up for that coach a couple months ago. That was me allying with someone who wasn't God. I was like, look, God, I know that like you've got my back, but it's not working fast enough. And if you could just like 
is this okay? And I didn't spend any time listening. I was like, is this okay? Yeah, I thought so. And I did it. And this is me like spending thousands of dollars on a coach for the second time this year, allying myself with Assyria and then being totally overtaken. And God's like, I'm going to let you suffer. And then it says after that, that, you know, you'll cry out and I'll immediately help you. And so I think I've finally, at least in this stage, and I'm sure it'll happen again, I'm at least learning. So is that what he said? That I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take care of you? Yeah. After he talks about... The his, reason I'm asking... First of all, I got goosebumps. If I was wearing short sleeves, you'd be seeing hair <laughs> like all the way up to here. Because I know exactly the passage you're talking about. But in Ezekiel later on, he says, even if you brought Daniel and Moses, or, or he names three people, even if they were here, because now he's talking about a time of Ezekiel's time, right? So it's past here. Right. Punishment's coming. He said, even if those three were here, only those three would survive. <laughs> I, will de- I will get rid of everyone and everything, <laughs> right? Because things got so bad. But I, I, I know exactly what you're saying because last night I was thinking, <clears throat> I got into a coaching program a few years ago, which is the most money I've ever paid. And mm-hmm. it was this really intense thing. It did change my life. But now, now that I've plateaued, I'm like, maybe I should send the guy a message and show him my works, right? Like, right. look at the writing that wow. I'm doing. Look at the affirmations. Look at the yeah. look at the journaling. Why isn't it breaking? If why can mm. I not break through right now? Like this is consistent for the you know like I don't even know how many months of this nonstop writing, thinking, gratitude. You know all the things that you're supposed to do. Yeah, right. I'm grateful and I'm this and I'm that and verses and and then I was like I should just reach out to this guy and say look. Take me on as a client. Tell me where the gap is. What am I doing wrong? And that same verse that you're talking about mm-hmm. came to my mind. You're looking to the Egyptians yeah. and you're looking to the Babylonians. Or no, it was because of the Babylonians, you're Assyrians and whatever. Yeah. Not only am I going to destroy you, but I'm going to destroy everybody that helped you. Right. And also I'm like, oh, <laughs> okay, <laughs> no. Lord, does this mean I should reach out to that coach? And so my challenge right now is it's not even so much, I've read the same stuff, it's discernment. It's discerning this information. I'm like, hey, Lord, do you want me to reach out as part of my, you know, my, what is it called? Like, I'm doing my part. Yeah. You do yours. Or is this me reaching out to someone bypassing you and not waiting to hear what you have to say? As if you can't resolve my challenge and I have to lean on somebody else. Yeah, that, oh man, that's because on the, in Proverbs, it says that like success requires a lot of advisors. And so at the same time, you got it like the discernment is so big, but that discernment, that wisdom is, starts with the fear of God. Like the understanding starts with the fear of God. And so maybe like, I don't know how you check that other than just knowing in your spirit, like I'm trying to rush this or I'm scared or I fear that you're not going to come through for me, God. And for me, that's what it was with like, I've got... I've got enough to survive. Like, give us today our daily bread. I'm like, thank you in advance. You got a bakery. You got to make a bakery. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. And at the same time, I'm like, well, I'm not really secure in that, God. Mm -hmm. And the thing is, like, the Israelites who got the manna, those who got a lot didn't have too much. Those who got a little didn't have too little. So, like, he just provided what he wanted to provide, the exact amount. But then what you were saying about, like, is this me going against his will by taking action myself, I read as well, which is Isaiah 30, 23 says, he will also send you rain for the seed you sow in the ground. So number one, he's going to provide. 
But number two, the seed has to be sown in the ground. You gotta be doing the work. And my mentor Scott tells me, just dig the ditch. Because when you're digging the ditch, at some point God will send the rain. And if you haven't been doing the work, they're just gonna go all over your field and, and ruin it. So I think, for me at least, action is the, well, action is the antidote to average in most things. But just taking action and trusting that the outcome is gonna be of him, and now that I'm just like totally into my little red string theory of everything, I got this from a friend, Heston, who's in our program, who I had a podcast with a couple of weeks ago. He said there is, or he sent me the link, and it says, the usual saying is that pray as if everything depends on God and work as if everything depends on you. Like that's from St. Ignatius, apparently. But someone said you should reverse that. And I was like, oh, interesting. What does that mean? But it says pray as if everything depends on you and work as if everything depends on God. This means that prayer has to be urgent. God has to do something dramatic if everything depends on me. It also puts our work in the right perspective. If it depends on God, we can let it go. We can work hard, but leave the outcome up to him. If God is in charge, we can tolerate mixed results and endure failure. So this was like a braingasm to me where I'm like, okay, Lord, if it's up to me, like, please help. I can't do anything myself because you've just shown me self-reliance is horrible but I'm like not gonna work myself to the bone and have to be perfect like I always have needed to be because you're gonna do whatever you want with my work anyway. So as long as I'm doing it diligently and as long as I'm not like shirking my responsibilities, just let it go. And that's so hard because I just have this need to know now and the scarcity mindset. As you're talking, I'm like, okay, back in the day, what was work? They had to like sow seeds. They had a piece of land. So what is work? I'm gonna... So if they didn't sow the seeds... It's very simple. You're not going to get a harvest. But in today's day and age, what does sowing the seed even mean? Like, do I record the podcast? Do I not record the podcast, right? Like, do I reach out to the coach? Do I not reach out? And you just said you reached out, it backfired. Yeah. So was that the right path that the Lord closed the door, but you were doing your part, he closed the door? Or in my case, it's like, well, do I reach out? But then then this Isaiah passage that you're talking about, I'm looking at going, well, am I, am I going? So I think what I need right now is I need some, <clears throat> I need discernment and wisdom in how to, okay, what is work? Right. What does that look like, Lord? Tell me, okay, th- th- this is your to-do list for today. The rest, I got it. Right. But when you're trying to second guess, okay, which is which, that's where I feel like that's my frustration right now is mm-hmm. I don't know what that work looks like. Am I reaching out to somebody? Do I just take the seeds and just hang on to them because my master, you know, he's going to come, you know, that one. Right. Like, do I invest it? Do I invest it aggressively? Do I invest it moderately? Do I just sit on it? And then when the master comes back, he's like, yo, what'd you do with my money? Yeah. So there's that too. So I think for me right now, that that's it. It's, it's knowing what work is. Mm-hmm. And then, okay, once I know what it is, then I can do my part and just leave the rest to him. Right. Yeah, I, I think... There is, I mean, there's so much here, obviously, but I think I needed, and this is the weirdest thing, right? Because I'm like, oh, did God stop me? Did he make the best of a bad thing? Like how much of this is known and predestined? Like theologically, I have no idea, but I needed to have, I'm going to say wasted those many thousands of dollars on this coach so that he could bring me along into where I am now. Because what's the most important thing? Again, glorifying and enjoying God. Everything needs to glorify him if it's good. And that's what I think we're called to do. And so my spending that money 
put me into an identity crisis and an existential crisis, which has now led me to putting more of my faith in him. And I think that's what he's doing our entire lives. And for me, this is sanctification. Like I made the choice that really hurt and like silver in the whatever. Right. Yeah. In the furnace. I'm getting my impurities worked out so that I can be more like his son. And so, of course, it's in his plan. And so taking action, I think, is usually a good way to do that. But I also wonder in your case about like where is the level of self-awareness that you need and have to go like, I'm not taking action because I'm worried. And what does that worry mean? Why am I not just trusting that whatever I do, it's going to be for his glory? And am I looking too much for my own safety and security here, which I do all the time? Or am I just like, Lord, I'm just going to act and like, whatever I do, I know you've got it for the good. And then have that long-term perspective. Because I think a lot of people as well are just like, well, a bad thing happened to me. Where's God in that? But I think if we have the eternal perspective, when he works all things for good, it means all things for his good eternally, which means things can like, if, if his good plan doesn't include me being alive after tomorrow, it doesn't mean that he's a bad God. Mm. It means that he's got a plan and his plan is good. It's not that, oh, well, human morality says that he shouldn't have killed you. How dare he? Like, no, he's God. He gets to make up all the rules. And that's what is morality, not some like rational thing that we can come up with. And it's glorious that he's made it so rational. But I think that like I am really trying to broaden my perspective so that I don't think that every like individual action is like a make or break. And for me, that's super hard because I am like super scarcity mindset with money, especially if I don't have everything right now. I could die like 10 years from now, bro. Like I might not have enough a year from now. What are you talking about? I have to have it all right now. So I don't know. Maybe there's just some thinking on like, why am I not able to just move forward? Why am I not just trusting that even if I do reach out and it screws up, he's still got me. Because I mean, we haven't even gotten into your story, which is like mind blowing. And he's testing you, I'm sure right now to see how much you can It's embarrassing. This is where sometimes I can't help but feel like a hack. But then... I also know that when you start getting those thoughts, they're from the enemy too, yeah. right? Like, so it's so much to reconcile. But as we're talking, I'm like, okay, I read this every day. It sits at the very top of my of my journal, my planner. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. And I'm just going, did I seek his kingdom first this morning? Right. The answer is no. I did. Well, I prayed, but I didn't actively carve out a time. And this is where I feel like a hack because I just, in my story two weeks ago, I shared it with the world. Right. But what submission to him led to. Yeah. And how ridiculous. So every time, and we've talked about this, every time I feel like, every time I read the Old Testament, I'm like, these Israelites, what is wrong with them? He pulled them out of bondage, man. The the plagues, they saw the plagues. They saw the Red Sea part. They got food in the desert, right? Like... The, yeah. Their shoes never wore out. The, the, the pillar of fire in the day and or pillar of fire at night and, and cloud. By, mm-hmm. Like, how can they forget? Like, how yeah. dare they? And how, like, what is wrong with them? <laughs> and guess what? I am just mm-hmm. like them. And I had that realization when I'm sitting going, Lord, what am I going to do? And he said, did I not just deliver you? Yeah. In the most incredible of ways. So how dare you? Yeah. <laughs> right. So now I think all of a sudden that this is all of a sudden just too big for him. Oh Lord, right. but this is different. This right. time, it's, it's it's not the same. So 
I think I kind of got my answer through as we're talking. It's like seek first his kingdom. Yeah. Well, that's what my granddad said too. And we talk every couple of weeks as listeners will know. Um, and he said, God's past graces are a promise for his future ones. Like he's not changing. He's not going to be like, Omar, I, I favored you there, but you tripped up. And because I'm not good enough to like take your sins away, you owe me something. For me, I'm really trying to like focus into what are you sanctifying me from or out of or into or whatever in this situation? Because I think ultimately when you look at every bad thing that happens in your life as a good opportunity to grow and be sanctified, mm-hmm. like your mindset is just, it becomes more rock solid because good stuff is awesome, praise God, and bad stuff is like, oh, praise God, he's making me more like Christ. And ultimately that's what's going what's gonna to win. So I'm not saying this as someone who's like good at this, but that's what comes up for me now that I can like, take my own life out of it and be like, oh, of course, Omar, just trust him. Right, right, right. Easier said than done. But, yeah. but man, I, even as somebody who is, who felt compelled or the Lord asked me to start the podcast, my apparel company, whatever, it came in a vision. And even as I'm doing that stuff, there is stuff that's happening behind the scenes where I'm going through the exact same troubles and challenges that you guys are facing as well at a day-to-day level and I and I'm you know I'm, I'm just sharing this just blah like I I'm having those moments yeah. even as we speak today yeah so and it is and what is really incredible is that man he doesn't kick me out of you know my it's not like he's looking at his book he's like oh, oh, oh Omar how dare you man okay out I'm crossing your name out yeah of the of the book of life right that is so powerful because man we even us, people that are, you know, we feel like we're on a mission and yet we're struggling with things behind the scenes. Yeah. And so... Well, that that's like, I think that is potentially one of the most important failures of our society insofar as isolation goes. Because everyone's expected on the outside to have a perfect life. And if you don't, you assume that everyone's going to think that you're a piece of crap. And so you just don't share what's wrong. And then you isolate and you don't want anyone to know it's real. And so that's part of this whole podcast is like, hey, I was awful, like really, really bad. And if you're like that, there's hope. Mm. But also, it's not like life just gets perfect because I figured it out. Like, praise God, I figured this whole like family leadership thing out. And am I perfect? Obviously not. Do I know everything? Obviously not. There's so many levels that, pardon me, guys can still teach me. But I'm always confident that we're going to sort it out. Mm. And I have most of the tools that I need now. But the truth of the matter is, if you look at the day-to-day, it's still up and down and up and down and in and out and sideways. And sometimes you're like, how are we going to make it out of this? But I think what the victory that we're looking for is, is just how do you deal with that on a day-to-day basis? Like, can you bring it to the cross? Mm. Can you pray? Can you maintain your cool? Can you not yell at your kids? When you're like super triggered and if you do can you then apologize Mm. and make it right and so a lot of guys i think when they're starting on this like so-called healing or growth journey they're like oh one day i'm gonna make it and it's just gonna be like easy sailing and this conversation like probably the goal of this now is just like hey by the way even if you are so successful you'll still have days and moments and minutes and hours and weeks where you have no idea and everything's horrible but you're not cratered by it and you're not judging yourself for it and you're just like, I'm going to get through this too. But there is also that whole, what is it? There's no condemnation. For those that are in Christ Jesus. Yeah. yeah. 
Right. So what you're just saying about striking your, you know, name out and the, the, it's a different covenant. So like, yeah, if only these three guys were there, they would be the only ones who were saved. That was pre-Christ. I don't know how much different that is. And I'm not a theologian. So like far be it yeah, for me no. to assume, but like there's Absolutely. so much forgiveness now. It's like my son was saying, he's eight years old. He's like, daddy, how come you had a vision and I don't get visions? Oh, and so, yeah, as he's talking to me, I'm like, Omar, yeah, you, you, you saw Jesus right he led you through a dark place and into a way better place you couldn't have done that on your own yeah and so i relate with the israelites right now like you wouldn't believe because i am just as bad Mm -hmm. and just as forgetful because you know what the other day when i was having steak for dinner and i'm thinking about oh lord we, we i got this problem i got that issue come on you know and then i had this moment where i'm like if this is my desert and i'm eating steak Mm -hmm. And it's not just any old steak. Right? <laughs> it's a ribeye and it's grass fed. Yeah. And I'm like, oh man, Omar, you need to get your, your, your bearings back right because this is desert. He's mm-hmm. taking care of you in such a wonderful way. Yeah. Uh, and you need to just fall on your knees right now and say, you know what? My kids are fed. I'm fed. Look at what I'm eating. Yeah. And that should really be, that should really be enough yeah. for you right now. But then I also battle at the same in the same breath. It's like, Lord, you know, do you ever feel like you got a long list of things that you want God to do, and yes. then you're like feeling guilty about it yeah. because you're like, well, I kind of want this and I kind of want that, and and these desires, and you know, all the Bible says, you know, pick up your cross and follow me. Like it's it's just this for every verse there is about you know you go, you you have to suffer and you got there's right. just as many verses as that say, hey. He's your heavenly father. He's got your best interest. He's going to milk and honey and all this wonderful things that he's going to do for you. And then I feel guilty asking him. Yeah. But then I'm like, Lord, if we're made in your image, then you put these desires in our heart too. So just help me to recalibrate. Like I don't, for once in my life, I can say confidently, I don't want it if it's not your desire for me. Mm -hmm. Because how many times do our kids come up to us with ridiculous demands and they want it now. It's like, no, I'm not giving you ice cream 7.30 in the morning. I'm not going to do it. I, the season's changing. You're going to get sick. It, yeah, it's going to be a hot sunny day later. I'll give it to you in a few hours. I'm not going to give it to you at 7.30 in the morning. And I have to really go, okay, Lord, if I'm asking you for something, which is the equivalent of me asking for ice cream, my kid's asking for ice cream 7.30 in the morning, mm-hmm. and you're saying, no, not right now. It doesn't mean no. It just means not right now. So now my prayer is, okay, Lord, if it's not right now, that that's okay. I don't want it if you don't want it for me. Because I know whatever you have for me is so much more superior than anything that I can ever conceive in my own mind. So help me recalibrate and then give me the patience and the peace in the moment because I'm an impatient person. I wanted yesterday. Mm -hmm. And so that's... Yeah, that's kind of where. Yeah, man, that's one of the things that we talked about at the um, Colorado Mastermind I went to with family teams was basically discipling your children's desires because he, the, I can't remember whose presentation it was, but it was basically saying that we're really good at discipling our children's preferences. So, you know, I'm a, you know, Buffalo Bills fan and my sons are going to be Buffalo Bills fan. I like you know, hot sauce on my pizza. My kids will like hot sauce on the pizza. Whatever those preferences is, but what are the desires underneath that? Mm. And are we good at discipling our kids' desires? And the reason I say that is because 
I think what I'm getting from you is like you're basically just allowing God to disciple your desires as a son. And I think that's wonderful because like so much of what we want is I think often out of the wickedness of the flesh and the heart and all that kind of stuff like I want and it's because I want to feel this way and I want to feel safe and I want to do it my way, God. But what if I just had my actual desires discipled by you? Like, what do you want from me? Like you said, knowing that it's so much better. And then how can then, because this is so awesome to be like a fatherhood thing, you get to see yourself as a son and your earthly and heavenly father. And then you get to see your kids. So how you're fathering, Mm -hmm. you can sort of like keep that flowing downstream where God's discipling your desires. And then through you, he's discipling your kids' desires. So anyway, I've been thinking about that lately. I'm not sure where that goes necessarily, but it's just like, I want to want the things that you want. And like the prayer of Jabez, I think it's called, he says like, may your hand be with me or something. And I was like, yeah, let me like, let me just do it your way, God. Cause that's going to be way better than my way. Mm. But that's hard. Well, speaking of children following, my kids don't like hot sauce. <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> my kids maybe, love hot sauce. Maybe it's the Scottish and the Welsh in them. I don't know. It, I don't know very likely. Is, but... <laughs> <laughs> but man, like, so talking, getting back to desires again, and you know, there was a time I wanted a supercar. Like I just, and if I'm being honest, it was all for all the wrong reasons. Yeah. Right. Now I want a place of my own. I want a house of my own. I want it on land. I mean, land is such a big theme in the old Testament, right? Yeah. And I often ask myself, or I talk when I'm talking to the Lord, I'm like, okay, what do the Israelites do to deserve the milk and honey land? Like, what do they do? Nothing. <laughs> they complain. They whine. In fact, God calls them a stiff-necked people, right? Yeah. Look at the the, the, the trials that came on them because they just refused to listen. But he still gave them land. Called the promised land, right? Like, yeah. just... He says in, in Samuel, in for a second, I don't know, it's in one of those books where he's like, I'm going to give you a land that you don't deserve. Mm-hmm. It's got vineyards that you never planted. It's got, you know, fruit trees that you never... You never planted. Oh, we 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 just had some technical difficulties, yeah. and so we're back at a much lower resolution. And 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 that enthusiasm is kind of. <laughs> I think I was talking about yeah. Israelites, right? Like, so God gave them this this land of milk and honey. Yes, and they did nothing to deserve it. He gave it to them not because they were so good, because He's so good. Right. So I'm like, Lord, and I don't know where your most of your viewership is, but like, if they only knew what real estate prices here are like. <laughs> So when I'm praying and you, you talk about desires and, oh, yeah, I was saying how I prayed for supercars before and it's for right. the wrong reasons. But now I'm praying for a house, but I want it on land, mm-hmm. some land. It doesn't have to be like 15 acres, just some land. 10 is fine. 10 okay. <laughs> 15 would be better, but whatever. <laughs> I want land. I want my own house. And here, here's my reasons, right? My, my wife is sick. I need a new place so she can recover. She can recover in the, in the space that got her sick. So I need it for that reason. I need it because, man, I have this, you would talk about the, the gifts of the spirit. One of mine, I think, is hospitality. Yeah. I can't host people in my house right now. And it just, it just, it's so, like, I'm just, it, it's not good for me. Yeah. Right? I want it to be a home that is open. It's got the space. Come everybody, you know, come for lunch, come for barbecue. Let's have Bible studies. Let's have prayer. I want it to be a place of refuge, a place of peace, mm-hmm. a place where people gather. We eat, we drink, we, we, we talk, we 
sure you know like that that's why i want the house so i'm like if i'm asking my heavenly father with there he he's operating in a space where there's no scarcity asking it so why am i asking him for like you know an apartment that i think i can afford right instead of a mansion that i know i can't afford up here but it's 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 the same for him it's like an extra zero extra few zeros no big deal but i have to really check my my intentions behind it so mm. it's not for vain reasons i want to take pictures in front and send it back home right, right. so people can see <laughs> oh yeah he made it uh, uh, he made it he made it right? understood we'll talk about that in a minute maybe <laughs> yeah, but, but so it's it's so now i'm like lord i just want to bring my desires to you unabashedly like my children do because they don't come to me and say hey, daddy i feel like ice cream but you know baskin robbins might be a little too much for you can we just get popsicles from a superstore? <laughs> they don't do that. Yeah. And yet, if I can, I would give them the best. I don't want them to have the the, the red dye infested right. popsicles that for 99 cents. I want them to have the better ice cream, right? So if I don't do it for my kids, and I think in Matthew somewhere it says where which one of you, if your kid asks for bread, would give him stone? Yeah. Or something about a serpent too, if you... So then I have to just go, I'm like, Lord, okay then I'm just going to come to you like my kids come to me. I'm just going to ask. I'm going to ask for the house and I'm going to ask for the land. And if it's a not right now, then just let me know right. and then give me the patience yeah. in the meantime to just wait. Yeah. But I'm done asking as if, you know, I don't deserve it. Yeah. Well, I think because, so you shared that similarly to me before and I'm trying my best to get more of that because we're now on like, ultra opposite ends of the spectrum and so sometimes when you're like you know when your kids ask you and you just want to give it to them i'm like no (laughs) what do you mean because from like my growing up experience was like don't you even like don't ask because like we don't have the money or it's not okay or whatever and like i don't even think that was maybe even fully true but my my memory of it and my feeling of it because i like the best times i remember as a kid is going to like 7-eleven and getting five cent candy with my mom so like i know it's not fully true right but there's something about wanting something and asking for something that i find shameful in myself mm. and i see that then <laughs> in my kids i'm like don't you know how much trouble you're, trouble you're going to get into if you ask for something like just be like the guy in Proverbs or wherever it is who like sits far away at the end of the table so that the, the king or the ruler or the, the, bride, the groom has to come and invite you to the spot of honor rather than like if you ask and someone says no and they're going to think that you're like some spoiled brat or something like just never ask for anything, okay? And so when they ask, I'm like, excuse me? And I, I, I temper mm. myself because I have to and because even talking to you, I'm like... Oh, you're supposed to want to give to them. That's so interesting. And so the other place that that brings me is like, yes, I'm trying to now pray more like that, which is like, nothing's too big for you. If it's your will, um, here's why I think, you know, my heart is in the right place. Same sort of thing. Like I want to host. I want to have a place for my kids to run around. I want, um, yeah, just all these beautiful things. But in the back of my head, I'm like, well, like, what do you think if what he means by that is like the places that he set for us in heaven? Because I read through this sometimes. I'm like, I can't remember who it was. Stephen or James or someone like that. And in Acts, one line, it's like, and he was killed. And you're like, oh, so like everything good happening doesn't necessarily mean in this life. I'm curious if that's ever been part of your thing. Because maybe just my scarcity mindset is like, I'll get nothing and like it in this life. But I do have a heavenly mansion. And that's way better. And I think that's like 
probably good for everyone to understand that you don't need everything in this life because the eternal is so much bigger. But I also think that I'm probably like really underselling the positive joy and wonderful life that he could and probably wants to give me here. Mm. So how do you think about that? Well, <clears throat> two th thoughts come to my mind. First of all, this this whole asking and, and then receiving abundantly. I know my family wasn't very rich as well. Like we, I was aware at a very young age that they didn't have a lot. But culturally, I come from a culture where it's not an individualistic culture. Uh, where So with our parents, what's theirs is yours. What's yours is yours. <laughs> what's theirs is yours. Right. Same with our grandparents. Like I was just telling my kids yesterday because they were like, oh, daddy. we." So my dad just took us all out for dinner. And my kids, we went to this Afghan restaurant and they all wanted lamb shank it's the most expensive thing on the menu it was like 36 bucks or whatever mm -hmm. and my dad said to me before we got in the restaurant don't stop the kids from ordering just let them order whatever they want and so when we were driving back my kids are like daddy pop spent a lot of money and i felt bad asking mm -hmm. and i was like honey let me tell you something you know i'm not seeing grandparents here versus grandparents there. like their love for their grandkids is any different yeah. but i said we come from a culture where they will do anything for their grandkids. And so I said, when you ask Pops for, you know, to go into the Afghan kitchen, I said, he is happy. Like, it mm -hmm. makes him happy that you're even asking him. Right. For you not to ask him would be sad for him. Okay. Well, that's such a... I was think, talking to Natalie about this this morning, about how every generation over the last one to three, depending on what area of the world or how you look at it, has had to start from scratch basically in the West insofar as the family is a unit of individuals and the point is to launch out of the family and start your own individual unit rather than be part of the whole. And that's what they talk about at family teams. This is what I sort of was learning about in Colorado. But it's sad because it's almost like we've lost wisdom from like millennia. Because if we have a family system that allows the grandparents to speak into the kids and then the grandkids and everyone's sort of around that family and you want to like be together, then every generation starts knowing that they've got a support system and they're taught, presumably, how to be a family. And here, it's almost like, I don't know, after World War II or something like that, we got very insular and people stopped talking and like helping the next generation in some way. I'm not sure, you know, culturally why that happened, but I'm sure there's a reason. But it's almost like since that time, our parents, or at least my parents, probably started out not really knowing too much about like how to raise a family. And then I started out not knowing anything or even that you could do anything to raise a family other than just go through the motions and suffer. And we just got a book the other day. I can't remember where it is. It's called The Adventist Life or something like that. Okay, it's written by a Seventh-day Adventist <clears throat> around like how to live your life around a Sabbath week, basically. And it's like, man, it would have just been normal at some time for you to be like, sons, here's what I'm doing to like lead the family. You're going to be expected to do this. And then we'll just help you as you grow and you get your own wife and kids. And, you know, daughters, here's how mother's running the house as the queen of the household. And we've just like lost that. And so every generation seems to be starting out from like scratch, completely devoid of any of the wisdom of their forefathers. And that's like, no wonder we're in such dire straits here. It's, it's terrible. And so you saying that that's like such a cultural thing makes me sad in a sense because I want that here with my kids. I want to be like anything you want. And with my grandkids, like anything you want, thank you for so asking. why not? I want to do, yeah, so that's, yeah. What, I'm, that's what I'm aiming to do. Mm. Like I want to be the patriarch when I'm 90 
on our 15 plus acres that we're obviously going to get here. I want to be on a rocking chair looking over my like 100 great grandkids being like, yes, I am a good and faithful servant. This is what I wanted from life and I did well. <clears throat> Loving, leading and teaching all of them. Um, and it's got to start now because my kids are going to be like much better off than I was, I hope, in terms of just knowing that there's such a thing as like family leadership. But how then do I transmit that coming from a place of scarcity in that myself? I've got to be the first mover. I've got to be the rock. And that's hard for me because I want to be that and I want to be so me. I want to be so the reason why things happen. And like going back to the very beginning of this conversation, I got to lean on Jesus specifically. Like, I don't know if you picked it up last week, Brent, pastor at our church, he said, there's nothing you can do to improve yourself. Right. You just bring it to Jesus and let him do the work. And that was like, oh man, that hit me so hard because that's what I've been doing for the last 10 years. Like, oh, I just got to get better. I just got to get better. I just got to get better. And it's worked, mm. but it never works all the way. You really do need to lean on the actual solid foundation, like it says in one of the gospels. But I did want to ask you, I was thinking before the podcast, I was like, what should we talk about? Do we have anything? Is it going to be normal? Is it going to be natural? I was curious, two things. One, what you see, like in Pakistani culture, that you think could be done better here and what you take from that as a father, but also like just your journey as a father, because I don't think we've ever talked about like the formative stages of like you first get married, you're having kids, like what was that like? So I'm kind of interested culturally like, what do you see that you want to take from your culture? What did you not want to take from your culture? How do you look at that as like, I'm like a first generation Western father now and a first generation Christian father? How are you looking through that lens culturally and what you want to do and, not, and don't want to do? Well, for starters, I'm not the best representation of a Pakistani <laughs> anything. <laughs> well, you're from. Well, I am. Yeah, I came yeah. here in 19. So yeah, I was quite yeah. young. And so when you look at, I've been here longer than I am grew up there so so yeah it's true i'm not the best representation other than just the way that i look and <laughs> and you will never meet a pakistani like me I'm, i've told you that several <laughs> times as well but so the things i don't you know so as i'm talking about grandparents showering their grandkids with love and all this stuff yeah that sounds really good as well from a distance but isn't there somewhere earlier on the old testament where, where it says man shall leave his father's house and will be you know yeah so they're leaving that house in our culture, I think things are changing now or have changed now. But back then, man, <clears throat> I grew up with almost like a second set of parents because my grandparents lived with us. Mm. And it was all fun and games while we were little, but it wasn't until we got older and my mom started sharing some of the stuff that she had to go through in that joint family system. I'm so grateful that that, that, that is not part of my... Like my parents gave me the space to live my life the way I wanted to live. And, you know, they didn't also, we didn't have a choice because they lived in Pakistan. I lived here. I left at 19. So there was all that gap in between. So even if they wanted to be involved, they couldn't be. Right. But they never, unlike most parents from our part of the world, they never interfered in my life. Hmm. I mean, I married a Caucasian girl, which, believe it or not, when I was leaving Pakistan, all my relatives, this sounds awful, but the, the, all the wisdom they could impart on me, the one thing they all said to me was, don't marry a Caucasian girl. Wow. And I'm like, so I'm like, just because you said it, I'm going to. <laughs> and my dad said, you know what? You marry whoever you want. My parents said that. Mm -hmm. Marry whoever you want. So I did. And I'm so grateful that those family norms that most families have back home 
they didn't like mm. my, my parents didn't interfere in our lives and they let us evolve so i don't like the joint family system has its perks where you know you don't have to spend money for babysitting and right. <clears throat> and your grandparents are there around your kids as you were saying earlier it's like their influence on your children and all mm-hmm. that stuff that's wonderful but the reality of a joint family is is no good right. so i'm grateful that that's not so i've i've taken the the love of the family and just being around family that's why i don't want to move too far away from the lower mainland right. because i want my children to be able to access their grandparents yeah. daddy can we go to nana's house yeah absolutely if if i'm on the east coast once a year if i'm if i'm being honest yeah. so how many years do do my do their grandparents have left right you know we psych ourselves when we say oh yeah 10 15 more years if you're seeing them once a year that's 10 more times yeah that's outrageous so i want them to know their grandparents mm-hmm. but with some distance where we you know there's not that right but like a city distance not like across the no area. absolutely so so there's that and then culturally I I love the fact that I have and I don't know if if because I've only ever shared this with you and you you know I I don't go around asking people how they shower <laughs> blessings on their children or what their sure. relationship with that is so I don't know I thought you were just going to say how they shower <laughs> like, what is this weird <laughs> shower blessings so I just love that I grew up in a culture where man my grandparents loved and I was also the first grandkid mm. so they would just shower blessings like my my grandmother on my mom's side had many other grandkids but because I was the first oh, and I like to think I was the favorite <laughs> she would hide mangoes cuz she knew it was my favorite fruit and there was like 10 grandkids mm-hmm. but no she was saving one for Omar so I've I've experienced <laughs> that kind of love and blessing right. so I can bring that and sh- do that for my children cuz I know it's a little bit weird for Shannon too how we relate with each other in terms of right. children and parents and there's no boundaries um so I love that mm-hmm. So those are the two big ones. I I don't and then you know now living a Christian life which is so opposite to anything yeah. that I grew up with. Uh so that's well, that's a good plug for your podcast actually. And I I shared this on the email but if you guys are listening to this the Union Apparel podcast on YouTube right now. Yeah. Not on Apple yet. It's it's going to get there in a few okay. days. Yeah. It's okay, gonna... so so go to YouTube and search Union Apparel podcast. Podcast yeah. specifically. I'm in the first episode as a host so that you could share your story. But it's crazy. And I was like, "Oh, should we go into that here?" And maybe we should like just the the little bits of it, but it's wild. So I don't know if you want to if you want to go into that, but what was the other question that I had before that? Well, you were saying how you oh, know just coming like from the, the culture. Yeah, and and then like into fatherhood. Mm. Like I know you so I had kids at 23 and you were 30ish, 34. Oh, right. Okay, cuz yeah, our kids are the same age mostly within yeah. like a few months of each other. Um We started late. Right. The question did, did you know that you wanted to be a father like lifelong was it just like since you got married no i i i knew always um that i wanted to be one and i just you know i just had this conversation with my sister just a few days ago where i re- where i recognized that i left at 19 you know you're still a kid at 19 in our culture like you're living with your parents i left at 19 and now i'm finally reunited with my dad after i'm 46 now yeah. and there's that gap in between and i recognize that i don't know my dad mm. and i shared with my sister that i think i w- i, w- I would want to get to know him but the person that i've become mm-hmm. is so different than 
the person that left the house at 19. Yeah. I mean, it's one thing if, some, if you haven't seen your parents in, in many, many years. It's a whole other thing when you are now in a culture, you've embraced kind of the greater culture. Right. But within that culture now, you are living a lifestyle. You know, you've embraced a, a faith Mm-hmm. That is, and coming from a Muslim country, man, like that—that that, you, you defecting on your faith like that—that's not, yeah, it's not looked upon very favorably. It's not like they're sending their blessings <laughs> to me. <laughs> and this podcast is the very first time it's become public. Before that, it's just my family and friends that yeah. knew what I did, right? So, so I will—I have this desire to get to know my dad mm-hmm. again. But the thing is, the last couple of times where I've had these encounters with him, where I tried to show a side of me, you know, we're on a bit of a collision course. It, 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 right. We have to agree to disagree. And when he voiced his opinion, and it felt almost like scoldy in a couple of times, and this 46-year-old man went right back to being 12 or 13, being scolded by his dad. Right. And I just kept quiet because I don't want to share anything. And then I'm like, man... If he goes tomorrow, that's it. The connection that my children have to my side of the family is gone. I only have few memories. I want them to get to know their grandfather, but maybe I should get to know my dad. But not as a dad and a kid sitting down together, as two grown-ups. Where I want to share the most... I want to share my life with him... But I don't want to have to censor things out because I feel like he's going to get offended or yes. it's going to trigger him. Right. And I don't want to feel like I'm a 13-year-old kid again being scolded mm-hmm. by his dad. So it's this new relationship. I don't know how to quite approach it other than a cup of coffee. Let's sit yeah. down. Hey, I, I, I'm Omar, your son. <laughs> Let's get to know each other. Right. So I'm excited about that journey. I'm also a little bit... Actually, I'm quite a bit scared too yeah, because it's, it's, he doesn't... He knows fragments but he doesn't know and everything that i do now is coming through this lens of of jesus yeah how do i filter that out how do i tell him a story and like take the very filter that everything's going through off man i feel that so but i'm excited about it too yeah you know just to get getting to know him and hopefully you know the, the lord he worked on me right yeah he never gave up on me 10 years of the holy spirit just kind of Gently mm-hmm. nudge, nudge, nudge on, until just the doors were just broken down, right? With a battering ram and, yeah. and here I am. So I'm hoping that through these conversations and experiences that maybe, not maybe, that's our prayer, is the Holy Spirit will work on their hearts yeah. and they would come into the fold as well. So that's a chapter that I'm really excited to get into. And as far as my story goes, man, like I, I always feel a bit like, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to start hogging the time because it's, it's a powerful story and yet... What can I say? I'm, I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful I did nothing. I, I honestly did nothing to deserve what I have now. It was by His grace. There are millions of people in Pakistan. It's a predominantly... It is a Muslim country. He, he had His hand on me. Why? I don't know. Right. But... I don't know. I, 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 I'll have you, if you want me to go a certain direction, let me know because I I feel like this is such a vast topic. It's like the pastor saying to me on, on that Sunday, Hey, share your story in five minutes. I'm like, how much time? Five minutes. I'm like, okay. Yeah. It can't be done. Yeah. Well, I, I almost want to like circle back to what we were just talking about in two ways. Number one, like that 
feeling of distance with your dad. Do you ever think about that with your sons? Like, how will I make sure that doesn't happen? Or is it just like, we're always going to be close to each other, therefore I don't even think about no, it? No, no. I, 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 that is probably my biggest fear because I've inherited, if that's even, if you inherit certain qualities of your parent, I'm very much like my dad in a lot of ways. Right. And I'm grateful that I have a partner who doesn't have the exact same mindset as me where she's tempering that side of me. Yeah. Because I'm very aware that if I don't, if I'm not intentional about my relationship with my boys, then it's going to end up being the same. I'm going to not break totally. that chain. That chain's going to continue on. And he just, I think, and I'm no expert on this, I just think his parents weren't very loving. So he didn't know how to love. It doesn't mean he didn't yeah. have love. Yeah. He just didn't know how to express it. And sometimes I feel like that as well. So I force myself to tell my kids that I love them. And if I make a mistake, I hug them and I tell them I'm sorry I made a mistake because otherwise that unhealthy patriarchy that's that's ingrained in us, where you don't question authority, you don't question your dad, whatever. Right. Then, yeah, that would inevitably lead them to where I feel like I am right now. Yeah, man. The... Um there's something in there. I'm gonna that patriarchy triggered a question, um, but I'm I'm curious before any story. And again, Union Apparel podcast. Search that to listen to like the whole thing because that's it's beautiful. Um, going back into like getting into parenting though, where was your mind at? Were you like, oh, this is gonna be so easy. Like I know exactly what I'm gonna do. Was it like planned? Did you know exactly how you were going to lead into that? What was your fatherhood like? thinking as you let let into it from day one it was like i don't know what i'm doing <laughs> you know i'm like we, we buy a fridge it comes with like a manual this big yeah. you buy a camera your microphone right it comes with a manual and yet yeah. you have children they don't come with an instructional manual and you know this is really difficult for me to say and my wife says this to me sometimes when when i get angry and i get into an a- angry state with my children she said that one of the reasons i married you because you were the most kindest, most mm-hmm. gentlest person that I that I know. And I didn't think there was a bone in your body mm-hmm. that was angry. And I didn't think that bone existed until I had my children. Yeah. And even then, it didn't come out right away. It was when we were really squeezed financially, where I started a business and things were dark. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, man, that was a dark, dark, dark phase of our life. And we weren't sharing anything with anybody and that's one of the reasons why shannon got sick is because she was keeping all that stuff in didn't have anybody to talk to something happened it was almost like this dormant gene and it just kind of something flipped in my head Mm -hmm. and so i now I, i do struggle if i'm being honest i struggle with with anger with my with my children and most days it's fine and then some you know if the pressures are building and it's got nothing to do with children either or sometimes it does where I'm seeing something done loudly. Stop yelling at your brother. But you're yelling at me. Yeah, but <laughs> yeah. it doesn't matter. I'm your, I'm your dad. And then when they talk back, mm-hmm. that's a cultural thing. You don't talk back to your right. parents. So that triggers me even more when I really think about it. The eight-year-old is right. Mm-hmm. Why are you yelling at me, daddy? And you're telling me not to yell at my brother. Yeah. I should just be able to take that as, as constructive criticism <laughs> and go, you're right. But no, I get triggered even more. So parenting by far has been the most difficult thing that I've ever undertaken. Mm-hmm. Most days I think I'm failing at it. And then there's other days I look at them like, okay, you know what? It's not so bad. Yeah, well, no, and it, and it really isn't that bad. I mean, the reason that we are even 
friends is because your son was friends with my son and then like they were such good boys and like you're obviously doing enough right that they're wonderfully sweet boys and they're some of the few that were like of course you guys can go do like whatever you want with them because there's some kids in the circles where we're like let's maybe like not go at the same time mm. as those so they don't have to connect um so you know whatever neither here nor there perhaps but yeah man that was like the exact same thing for me and is constantly the thing that i'm battling up against and yet what a beautiful gift like we're constantly being stretched and like pushed against as the boundaries of our kids and we're gonna like they're gonna touch us places that hurt and this is sort of like the way i put it is almost like it's like a two-stage process to get better at this or at least it was for me which is number one when they do something that triggers you, it's because it hits a pain point in you that is unresolved. Okay, well, let's say you have a broken leg and you keep stepping on that pain point, the leg, you're gonna be like, oh man, you're gonna scream out in pain. So the first thing I like to do is try and get off that leg. So it's like, okay, let's build some processes. So I like to breathe and I like to state my emotion. Like guys, I'm getting really angry right now. Deep breath, um, go away, do some pushups, whatever. That's like the, the crutch to get off. I guess this is just, I'm not talking to you. I'm just talking to everyone else okay. now. <laughs> Maybe uh, I'll take that information secondhand. I'm like, yeah, Shannon, I talked to Kurt yeah. while he was talking to the audience, but I, I took some notes. But, but once you get like off that, it's not like it just heals on its own. It might heal like uh, the bones might be misaligned. So you might need some surgery on that broken leg. So once you no longer scream every time you walk on it, which is to say like your kids trigger you, but you don't lash out at them all the time. I like to like go in and do a little bit of surgery. And that's usually just going like, what is the thing that triggers me here? And I've had like a, a lot of the guys we work with, we do trigger journals. So just write down for a week or two weeks, all the times you were upset, triggered, angry, whatever, and then go look at it two weeks later. And it's like, oh, when they talk back, when they talk back, when they talk back, when they, oh, why, why is that the thing? And you just ask yourself why. And it's like, well, it's disrespectful. Well, like, why do you care? Does, does like little kids make you feel disrespected when you're a grown man? Like, well, I don't feel like a grown man. Well, oh, what does that mean? And then you've got to go back to like, what is my relationship with my father? And so I'm not saying we need to go and like dig deep and find the inner child and like the divine self because that's BS, it's woo woo, whatever. But there is reality, I think, to the way that God's made the world that the way we are is based on the way our parents are and how they treated us. That's like, I would say in my experience, like 95% of why people are the way they are. And then there's bullies and there's like big traumatic events and stuff like that that shape people too. But mostly it's just like you're upset with them because you still have some unresolved thing about how your parents treated you and you don't feel good about it. So you're going to lash out on your kids accidentally. So if that's you listening, do some journaling. <laughs> Find out why that thing is. Go back and like ask why, why, why until you hit bedrock of, oh, it's because I never felt like heard by my dad. Mm. And that's, you know, my entire story. <laughs> it's just like, yeah, I feel like a three-year-old. Like my whole thing was I feel like a three-year-old and he just wants his mom and his dad to be bigger than him. And that's never been the case. So I'm trying to find that in the world and I'm lashing out and I'm lashing out trying to get control of the situation that I have no control over. Anything, are you like, are you dealing with anything else in terms of like what you're excited about or where you're going for the rest of the year? Like, are you crushing it on the work front right now? Are you getting back into that? Yeah, What's... work tends to slow down over the summer. So it's starting to pick back up again and works work. I'm really excited about this, this podcast. I, I, I keep thinking about it. Yeah. I keep that. That's where most of my, my attention is going right now. And my wife has to tap me on the shoulder. Hey, let's not forget about your primary <laughs> source, right? Like bread and butter. Right. So it's toggling both at the same time. But I'm, I'm super excited about the podcast. I, I, you know, just even interviewing people and hearing their faith journeys, whether it makes it onto the podcast or not, mm -hmm. 
I feel like when I am not doing it, it almost feels like I start veering away. Like it right. keeps me calibrated because people have gone through some tremendous life events yeah. and they've come out on the other side with their faith intact and that's beautiful. So I, I love hearing the stories and I want to be able to share them in a way that it impacts other people. Like right now, I don't know if it's the age or what, but I'm thinking more legacy yeah. than just the immediate. I want, what, am I, what, what are people going to remember me by? Or it, does my work even matter? So if one person hearing something the guest said or I said and, and they take that and it impacts them, that's that yeah. to me right now at this stage of life is more exciting than, you know, hey, let's go to Hawaii for a week or whatever. Although that would be, you, really, you take that, that would be really nice as well. But. <laughs> okay, so what has it been like becoming a creator, so to speak? And I know you've got like two lives. So how has that felt compared to everything else you've done? Well, technically, I'm not really the creator. I was the creator of my story, the first episode. Everything sure. else, I feel like other people are sharing, lending to the, you know, the, the, the vision. So it's, I'm still battling the, the part in me that wants to look good on camera, that wants to be articulate, that wants to like, you know, make sure I'm sitting, you know, so there's the vain kind of narcissistic stuff. And then, man, I've been really focused on all the analytics going back there all the time and i really had to i had i had to go into prayer the other day i'm like lord okay it was your idea initially mm -hmm. and i'm just following through so please just take the pressure of algorithms and right. optimizations off and just let it grow so i feel like i've let that one go a little bit although i was optimizing <laughs> videos yesterday <laughs> but yeah i just wanted to reach whoever it needs to be because it's a non-monetized channel right i don't want it to be monetized yeah here we are in the middle of something super deep and out comes the, you know, an ad for Cialis or whatever. <laughs> and it's just, I don't want that to happen. So, yeah. I mean, well, the, this, it's such an awesome thing though, to go from like no idea to like your whole story. And then like the thing, like your shirts and stuff like that with the story behind them. And then like, it's just, it's like I told you, it is such an awesome project. Like there's going to be coffee table books of like the, the shirts, people modeling the shirts while they're like going through their hard stories and big glossy pictures. And I can see this thing being massive in a way that I think we need right now because like you were talking about the hope that comes from it. Like I've heard your story like, I don't know, 10 times now. And every time I'm like, okay, tell it, like, tell it longer. Mm. Like go, go deeper this time because it's so awesome to hear these. And I think maybe that's part of what this is now is I just want to give people a, a glimpse into what it looks like to think the way we're thinking where I think we're both trying to um, really make faith number one and I should say like more explicitly like Jesus number one mm. because I think that's you know we, we beat around the bushes that's no, like, right. oh yeah faith this and all oh, my faith journey my spiritual journey and it's either Jesus or nothing yeah like it has to be um, and I hope that's encouraging people I know I've lost tons of people following this since the you know 98 99 podcasts in I was like oh by the way Christian fatherhood now and everyone's probably like what mm. so I'm, I'm hopeful there's some people in the crowd listening who are like actually that was impactful for me but yeah I just want to like get across to people this is the messiness like we are in kid having season right now mm. and it's going to be so messy and you look I, like, I was thinking about or I saw this podcast with a guy and he was talking about when he started his company and he's like 50 something now and like he didn't even start his first company until he was like 38 
And I was like, oh, dude, like I am really trying to grab, I'm trying to squeeze something out of this like unripe orange that if I just let it ripen for 10 more years, I'll have everything I want. So anyway, this is probably super messy. I don't know if this is useful at all, but. But I got, I got to say one thing too, you know, as you're, you're making the plug for the podcast, I got to tell you, man, like this podcast would not exist if it wasn't for one of these conversations. I mean, this is, this, this one happens to be on camera, but I don't know if you remember, I distinctly remember, I have the notes, we're sitting down, I'm expressing my frustration about Union Apparel, where I'm, I feel like something so reverent that God put on my heart, divine blueprint, I didn't think of it. And now I have it. And any kind of conventional ways to market it, I feel like it's cheapening, cheapening right. what, what that is. And so it was in that frustration where I, we were having coffee and I was sharing that with you. And then I remember you asking me, so if you could do anything, like what would you be doing? I'm like, I just want to have a microphone and, and whatever. And I just want to hear people's stories. And yeah. then you're like, just do it. And I can't believe that from that conversation to a week, next week, we were in the studio recording the first episode. So I actually want to, you know, I want to thank you for for pushing me because I'm a perfectionist and there's a whole other, <laughs> know. you know, perfectionists are just people that are scared and <laughs> of taking action. So this is the first time where I did something where I felt completely unprepared. Mm, amazing. So the, the, so thank you for pushing me that this thing is even live because we had that conversation. So well, I thank, you. thank you for well, that. The, the power of dad work coaching. Sign up today. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I don't even know what time it is. It's 1047. We've been at this for an hour and a bit probably. I mean, anything else real? I want people. I just want people to go to your thing. So I'm going to link in the show notes, dad.work slash podcast, as well as in the YouTube, which we'll put this up on. Go look at the first episode and then subscribe. Smash that like button on Omar's uh, podcast on YouTube. And uh, yeah, anything else? Any other like pressing concerns or... I said, next time we do this, let's get some croissants and let's get... Uh, well, hey, you said something about hospitality. And when I opened the door... The door, I was you like, were hoping. Yeah, I was like, oh, he sat in his car for a while. Like, those coffees are going to get cold. And then you can empty hand. And I was like, okay. Hey, North America, the North American culture has taken its toll on me. That's right. Next time, you know what? I've got a kitchen right here if you want to whip something up. So, okay, I think that's probably good. Yeah, no, I think this, this is kind of fun. You know, it, it's it's funny, the, the whole idea of, and my cultural references these days are just lost on people, and I'm glad that you, <laughs> they weren't completely lost on you. But when I, you know, this made me think of Seinfeld and how it was called a show about nothing. But I'm like, this could be a show about everything. Yeah. Right? Like, we are in that season where there's so much going on. And sometimes it's, like, I don't know, like, today Shannon's like, what are you guys going to talk about? I'm like, I don't know. I don't <laughs> yeah. know. But this feels just like, other than the really bright light shining on me, it feels like we're sitting in a coffee shop talking about our life. And yeah, it's messy, like you said. Mm-hmm. And then you shared something. I'm like, oh, I, I got to take some notes. And yeah. then, you know, I'm going to think about this and I'm going to incorporate. So this is great. It's it's iron sharpening iron. It's just sometimes even just talking about what's going on yeah. makes you feel good. Yeah, it's so important. Like, that's what I tell the guys all the time. I'm like, inside of our group, I'm like, talk. Like you're here in a coaching call or in the Slack talk because what it does for me is it like it relieves the pressure of the like faff, the the stuff on top that doesn't really matter. Mm. And then it clears me up and then I'm like, oh, there's that one thing deep inside underneath all that that really needs to come up and couldn't unless I had talked about all the other stuff first. And then sometimes I just like think while speaking. So yeah, it's super important. If you guys don't have a place where you can do that, I highly encourage you to find a men's group, a church group, something like that. Go deeper with a friend. Mm. Just like instead of talking about business, business, business or the weather or like sports, 
She'd be like, hey, bro, how's your walk going? It's like, what do you mean? Mm-hmm. I don't know. You're walking Jesus. Like, how's your family? What is your marriage like? Are you guys on the same page? Just be the one to ask because what's the worst can happen? He might be like, no, I'm not going to talk about that, you nerd. And then, like, you've lost a friend you shouldn't have wanted in the first place. But what probably is going to happen is going to be like, wow, nobody's ever asked me that before. Do you, do you talk to people like that? You know, it's funny. You, you said that my wife just showed me a, a testimony the other day. And I'll share it with you as well. It's this guy who had decided to commit suicide. He wrote his notes to his dad, his brother, his buddy, like these really heartfelt, like just when at the note part, I'm, I'm mm-hmm. like in tears. And he said that he, he put everything down. He went to the Golden Gate Bridge to commit suicide and he said all the way that he was going there he just wanted somebody to ask him how he was doing he just wants somebody to stop him and Mm -hmm. take an interest in him and he said it didn't happen he said up until the time that i jumped i just wanted somebody to ask me i didn't want to do i wanted to do it but i didn't want to do it yeah so i don't want to wreck the story you could you could take a listen but what happened after he jumped man it, it was miraculous what happened and what went down but how many times we pass people they just want to be acknowledged they just want somebody to ask them how they're doing so you know sometimes guys put on this front oh yeah hey blah 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 no they really do want to engage they just don't know how to do it that's right and i like to lead with vulnerability whenever possible like at church the other day there's people in front of us and they're like hey how are you doing i was like i could say fine and ask how you're doing but i'm like i'm actually like in the pits right now and I feel like God's dragging me along the coals so Mm. that he can like sanctify me but it sucks and they're like oh what's going on and I talk to them they're like thanks for sharing that Mm. like that was so good and so what I try to do in my conversation just like I just decided many years ago in men's group I was like I'm never going to care with the deepest stuff what people think about me I'm I'm only going to care what people think about me on the outside who don't know me and so I got to look perfect which is the dumbest thing (laughs) but (laughs) like if you can be the one leading with the vulnerability the authenticity like just do that and people will see that oh it's okay to do that and you'll just be the first one to lead the way so yeah hopefully this is useful I think what I would really love if you've made it this far dear listener (laughs) if you have made it this far if you're on Spotify there should be like a little Q&A thing down at the bottom of the episode that's like what did you think of this episode please let me know because podcast is like a black box you have no idea what the analytics are you have no idea how far people are listening you have no idea if people even like it I can only tell how many people are listening and that's nice because we've got you know 15,000 plus people listening every week Uh, that's amazing and thank you guys for that please share it with any other dads you, you think need this But I really want to know what you're thinking about the podcast lately because it's going to become probably the main focus of everything we do. And I'm going to really try to go quote unquote pro with it and do my best to make it amazing. And so I want to know what you think about this episode. I had a really casual chat with Heston a week or two ago. I did a QA and a episode last week. I'm just trying things right now and I'm hopeful that it's edifying to you that you'll come along for the ride. So yeah, let me know on Spotify. Find me on dadwork.kurt on Instagram. Email me, Kurt at dad.work. And again, this is on YouTube. Subscribe, <laughs> smash that like button. That's right. Always wanted to say that. And uh, make sure to click the link below to find Omar's podcast as well. Thanks for coming on, man. This has been fun. Thanks for having me. It was, yeah, it's good. That's awesome. Okay, peace. <laughs> <laughs>